0: Welcome back everybody to another episode of the JMO podcast. I'm your host Taylor Michaels and our guest this week we've got Patrick Edwards, host of the Radcast Outdoors podcast. Patrick is a Wyoming-based outdoorsman and this is the first time that we've talked about fishing in Wyoming and you know what we break down some cool bites in this. We get to know Patrick but the big takeaway for me is that Wyoming and some of the some of the reservoirs that are housing some gigantic walleyes are now officially on my bucket list i uh, first before i go before i go out i'm gonna have to find a way to get down to wyoming and catch some walleyes because listening to patrick in this episode again we're getting to know him super fun conversation having somebody new on and we're breaking down some bites but to realize that out west there are more reservoirs than we most of us in the midwest are even going to realize beautiful landscapes awesome looking cool exotic new bodies of water that are full of big walleyes so that's my takeaway wyoming is now officially on my bucket list and you know what maybe that's what you take away after you listen to this maybe you take some of the fishing information from patrick um obviously his experience and his his passion for the outdoors really comes through in this interview and that's you know just the great energy is it's just a, a joy to have patrick on this show so anyways we've got patrick edwards we're talking wyoming walleyes let's get into the interview this episode of the JML Podcast is brought to you by Montana's Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Department. As anglers, we have the ability to help protect the wonderful fishing opportunities in the state of Montana. For more information on regulations or AIS prevention in the state of Montana, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast. That is fwp.mt.gov AIS. Patrick, um, I'm going to need you to introduce yourself because you and I have never met in person, you know, only a couple of very brief uh, phone conversations and so not a lot of planning or scheming. So we don't know where this is going to go, but I know I have to start by getting to know you and everybody's got to get to know you. Where are you from? Who are you? Um, kind of, you know, go back to, to, uh, you know, where you cut your, your teeth in the outdoors and fishing and, um, and then bring us all the way up to speed to where you're at today. Go ahead.
1: All right, man. Well, thanks again for having me on the show. I'm super excited to be here. Again, my name is Patrick Edwards. I'm the host of the Radcast Outdoors podcast, which is hunting, fishing, and everything in between. It's kind of more of a variety show, uh, focusing on really anything outdoors. But I'm from Wyoming, so I'm a Wyomingite born and bred. Um, I started fishing when I was a little kid. I mean, a really little kid like when i was in diapers kind of thing um and i just fell in love with fishing and so i've been fishing for my whole life um i started out you know a lot of the midwestern folks can say that they probably started on like bluegills or some kind of panfish, right well for me it was brook trout in high mountain streams and so that's what really got me hooked on fishing was catching brook trout just with a cut willow pole and a piece of line and dropping it in behind rocks and, you know, pulling out brook trout and having them on a campfire. Um, So that's, that's really kind of what got me super excited about fishing. And I'm, you know, I'll admit I'm a walleye angler, but I'm really, when people talk to me, I'm a multi-species guy. I'm one of those guys that's always out looking, you know, master angler competitions. Uh, So I do a lot of in fishermen, master angler stuff. I'm focused on that state of Wyoming has a really great, Um, master angler program. And so I'm trying to catch as many species as I can and trying to learn about as many species as I can. Um, Walleye are one of my favorites, though. When I was a little kid, you know, we would would go to Glendo Reservoir, Boyson Reservoir, um, different places like that here in Wyoming to pursue walleye. And I was always intrigued by walleye because they're always moving around. They taste amazing. Um, so walleyes are wa- definitely one of my favorites. So I'm kind of excited to talk a little bit about, you know, Wyoming walleye fisheries and and just kind of share a little bit about what I know.
0: What does that look like? I mean, for you growing up, you're a multi-species guy. Wyoming probably has, as we're going to talk about, um, as many, if not more, fishing opportunities, walleye fishing opportunities that, you know, us Midwesterners, uh, probably even realize. Um, but uh, talk to me about that. What is the landscape like, like bodies of water, um, throughout the state, the locations, you know, we're, you know, guys like us up here in the Midwest, we're going to have to pull our maps out to look at what you're talking about. So be pretty descriptive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So again, Wyoming is, is really known as a trout state for good reason, because in the lower 48, you'd be hard pressed to find a better trout fishery. I mean, we have golden trout, rainbow trout brown trout and really big ones right and big lake trout but walleye is huge here um we have reservoirs like glendo reservoir boysen reservoir keyhole reservoir so big bodies of water bigger bigger reservoirs that are just full of really good quality walleye fishing um if you look back i don't know if you read these books you know over the years but in Fisherman had you know, a series of walleye books that Al and a group of the folks from, from In Fisherman wrote, and they talk about Seminole Reservoir and Boyson Reservoir and how huge the walleye are here. Our walleye state record is over 17 pounds. It was 17.42 pounds. So, I mean, just an absolute monster. But we've got walleyes and rivers. We've got walleyes and reservoirs. We've got some natural lakes. So really it's incredibly diverse and that's part of what makes walleye fishing in Wyoming so much fun because you can catch them in a lot of different situations just like you can in the Midwest.
0: You know this is this question's probably a little out of out of its order here as far as this interview goes but you know, one thing that's, you know, popular, like circuits, well, you know, tournament circuits or derby fishing, you know, what's the, land, what's the scene in Wyoming? Do, you know, is, is the derby fishing kind of a big deal down there? Because I feel like there's a lot of inf- good information and research that you can do when you kind of look into some of those, you know, those types of opportunities.
1: Yeah, there is a Wyoming walleye circuit and they run across the entire state. Um, they hit all the big you know, reservoirs throughout the summer. Um, it is a big deal. And Brian Woodward, he's out of Casper, Wyoming. He kind of runs that. And, you know, you've probably seen his name in, in Fisherman and a few other places. I mean, he's just an incredible fisherman. Um, but yeah, the walleye tournament angling is a big deal here. You know, you don't hear much about it just because we are Wyoming. We're kind of far removed from the Midwest, but there's some really, really good walleye anglers here in the state.
0: Yeah, because I think that's you know we're gonna again we're just gonna keep digging into these opportunities more and more. But I think when you're you know traveling somewhere or picking a a new destination or a new fishing opportunity for yourself and your fishing buddies or your family or whatever, you know as we're gonna get into it, I think I think Wyoming ought to start being on some people's bucket list and they weren't even paying attention to it before. And I think when you look up those tournament circuits and you see where they fish and what the weights are, like you know, even if you're not a tournament guy, that's cool information. Even if you're just a recreational angler, you can really kind of get a gist for what's going on in some of these places. And that's where I think the surprise really was for me to looking into the, you know, like you said, the state record being 17 pounds and, and, uh, you know, just, you know, some of these tournament weights over the years on some of these reservoirs when the timing is right, it's like, there's some really big fish going on there. So, you know, getting into some of that, you know, we're trying to cover a lot of ground here, but when you're talking about the fishing, if we could just, you know, pick some of the better representations of, you know, the reservoirs down there, like what is going on there? How, why are those fish so big? I mean, talk about the, the, the structure of the lakes, sort of the landscape, the ecosystem, the, the food source, like why are these fish getting big?
1: Man, that is, that's a great question. And I, I can tell you, man, the walleye fishing and the walleyes, are so massive here because we stock trout everywhere and trout are like power snacks for walleye, right? Like it's like, it's like a protein supplement that is better than anything else you could give a walleye. I mean, you think about what walleye eat, right? Like they eat a lot of different minnow species, crayfish, all kinds of different things. Um, Other panfish, perch, nothing goes down better than... A slimy trout, right? It's really easy for them to just chow down on these eight, nine inch stalker rainbows and you know what? I've caught 19 inch walleyes, 18 inch, 19 inch walleyes with like eight inch stalker trout in them and yeah, they grow really, really fast because there's just such a good forage base. Uh, I I think about Boyson Reservoir, which is where the state record came out of. We've got emerald shiners, we've got fathead minnows, we've got suckers, we've got you know, tons of rainbow trout. They even put kokanee in there and uh, kokanee salmon, which is like a landlocked sockeye, right? Yeah. And man, you talk about feed for those walleyes. They were out in the middle of the lake. So the last year in June, I was out there trolling in the middle of the lake, like 60, 70 feet of water. And I'm trolling these little PK crankbaits, like the Ridgeline crankbaits. And I'm catching walleyes out there that are throwing up kokanee salmon. I mean, you can't get a better forage base (laughs) to grow a monster walleye than all of those things. And they eat all those different things throughout the season. And so they get huge, just pot-belly, football-sized walleyes.
0: How a lake sets up and and understanding the forage base and how these fish you know this is anywhere you know so much of our conversations here when we're talking about different destinations or whatever it's like knowing what they're feeding on helps you with location you know and presentation how to fish them and all that stuff it's such a cool kind of a different ball game when you get out west you know specifically there in wyoming so talk to me about that like what are what is like what is walleye fishing out there well you know as the season goes on the patterns you know starting in the spring even like with the with the spawn like what time of year um are they doing what they're doing and and um and the different you know the popular ways of targeting them um you know as far as that goes throughout the season
1: yeah absolutely so you know open water as soon as it starts to open up you know you have the spawn and the post spawn typically guys are going into the, you know, warmer water. So those back bays where things are starting to open up and off to some of those main points and gravel areas where they're going to spawn. And so you'll see guys targeting them out there. Most of the time, you know, you're talking like a jig in a minnow type situation, a jig in a plastic. And then as things start to warm up, that forage really moves around. And of course, you know, as well as I do, if you want to catch walleye, you got to follow the food and, the emerald shiners and the kokanee and the trout, they all kind of go in out into that main lake as the runoff from our mountains is coming into the lakes and to the reservoirs. And so you can find them, like I said, suspended out in 60, 70 feet of water. You can be trolling at like, you know, 10 to 15 feet down and catch a limited walleye in, you know, 30, 45 minutes. Um, so, that's kind of like the summer pattern. Of course, they're also up in the shallows at that time. Cause we get lots of flooding, you know, in our reservoirs, it fills up. And so the minnows start to go in and in the brush piles and whatnot. So you'll catch walleye in like two to three feet of water, five feet of water up in these really snaggy areas, which is actually kind of fun and challenging to fish. Um, so you can find walleye literally all over the place in the summer. And then, you know, late, Late in the year when the turnover happens, it gets a little bit more challenging. They tend to go deeper. Uh, So the jigging spoon bite is really good, and I love using, like, the PK spoon, PK flutterfish, something that's heavy. I can get down there um, and get after those fish. And then fall is my favorite, though. Uh, Fall, you know, either out of the boat or from the shore, the walleye are very accessible. They're very plump. Uh, That's when I've caught all my personal bests you know, has been <laughs> been in that fall pattern, but they chase those emerald shiners around. If you can find those, you'll find the walleyes here in Wyoming. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely incredible. And, you know, the game and fish department here stocks a lot of rainbows in the fall. So at the boat ramps, you can find walleyes right there at the boat ramp in October, November.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Save a trout, catch a walleye. Yeah, that's right. That could be like a Wyoming bumper sticker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, man, the trout guys get kind of cranky about the walleye because, I mean, they, I mean, think about it. You know, if an 18-inch walleye can eat an 8-inch rainbow trout, as they get bigger, they can eat a lot bigger trout, right?
0: (laughs) The fishing opportunities across the state of Montana are phenomenal. If you're from there or you've already been there a bunch to experience it, you know just how special these opportunities are. If you haven't, fishing out west should absolutely be on your bucket list. But aquatic invasive species like zebra mussels and Eurasian water milfoil can harm recreational opportunities. As boaters, as anglers, we have the ability to help protect Montana's waters by cleaning all mud, plants and debris off our boat, recreational equipment, and fishing gear before we leave any access sites. Drain the water from your motor, your live well, your bilges, and allow your boat and equipment time to dry before your next outing. No matter what watercraft you use, please, if you're traveling in the state of Montana, stop at all inspection stations. Together, we can protect Montana's waters. Visit the link in the description of this podcast for more information. That's fwp.mt gov backslash ais yeah that could yeah that could be uh that could definitely be a a, a bumper sticker on a boat you know i could i can imagine <laughs> seeing that on a wyoming license plate uh, of, of, uh oh yeah of sure. a of, uh, yeah 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 it's just uh, like a stream trout guy or a fly fishing guy for sure man well one other conversation that we have when we're talking reservoir walleye you, you know up in this part of the world right like the missouri river system we've got You know, we talk about that a lot here in North Dakota, South Dakota, you know, even in Montana. Like, you know, reservoir fishing is kind of different year to year with the conditions and, you know, the the rising and falling of water levels and what that does to the fish patterns throughout the year. Um, You know, and every year is different. You, you You know, how much the water comes up from runoff is different. And that maybe changes spots that might change areas of the of the reservoir that are good you know from year to year talk walk me through sort of like the you know the standard the average seasonal patterns as far as like the conditions you know when the runoff how long does that last you know for your your spring and and into your summer season and and uh you know how does that dictate how you you'll look for spots year to year in your strategy oh it makes a huge difference right like water levels are so important
1: so this year we have a ton of snow (laughs) so the reservoirs are going to be extra full and actually my the best season i can think of in recent memory was 2017 we had the same scenario tons of snow lots of runoff and i mean we just found walleyes up really shallow because it the water flooded a whole bunch of like you know, scrub brush and stuff like that. And the walleyes just got in there chasing minnows because that's where the minnows went to hide. It made it really easy to target the walleyes all season long. And I perceive that happening again because on a low water year, you know, you don't get that. You know, the, there's not the flooding of a lot of those scrub brush areas. So you you have to be a little bit more selective and and, and you have to go find them. It's a, it's a little bit more difficult because the cover that traditionally where the bait fish are going to hide, it just isn't available. So you really have to be nimble from year to year. And Wyoming is no different than anywhere else. We depend on runoff. Um, You know, all the runoff that happens in my area goes into the wind river, goes into the Bighorn river, which goes into the Missouri river um, up in Montana. So, you know, we're very dependent on that. Just like, just like you guys are. Yeah. And it makes a huge, huge difference in your strategy early season. Now there's always basics that are going to be true no matter what the runoff looks like. But yeah, this year is going to be an amazing walleye fishing here on Boison Reservoir, my local reservoir. I'm like 20 minutes from it and it's going to be phenomenal. And I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, man. I think, you know, it, everywhere is maybe slightly different. Like you said, there are some, there are some truths that, can you know can can sort of carry over that you can kind of base so, sort of a strategy when you're looking but but you know day to day year to year um you know you kind of have to have a big percentage of your strategy pretty open minded you know you can't always be fishing memory so along those lines for you down there when you had a good year last year you probably got some waypoints you're getting out this year but say the waters deeper you know, or there's more runoff and, and the reservoir is say four to eight feet deeper than it was last year at this time. Do you feel like some of those last year spots um, are still good? They're just a little bit deeper or do you feel like you got to chase that pattern shallower?
1: I really feel like I'm going to have to just check it, right? Like it doesn't take a lot of time in a boat. That's about boat fishing as opposed to ice fishing. If you're going to check something on the ice. It's an investment, right? You got to stop. You got to drill holes. You got to do all that work just to get set up to just check it. Whereas in a boat, you can really, you know, hop spot to spot to spot pretty quickly. So I'm going to be hopping spots, but I can, I know based on previous experience, as soon as that water level comes up and gets into those, you know, scrub brush areas, there's going to be walleyes in there because that's where the bait's going to hide. And a lot of walleye fishing and any fishing, it doesn't matter whether you're fishing for trout, it doesn't matter the species. You got to think about what are they going to eat and you know, the things that they eat, where are those going to be? And so I know the minnows are going to go straight for that scrub brush and they're going to hide in there and the walleyes are going to come in there and they're going to pick them off and the perch will be there too. And the crappie will be there. Like, They're going to follow wherever the food is. And so that's my plan is, you know, I'm going to be hopping around. I'm going to be nimble and I'm not going to be married to any spot. Based off of that knowledge of like, where's the food going to be? And then I'm going to make adjustments to make sure that I go to those areas so I can catch my fish.
0: Being a local, you're from there and you fish the whole season like, like, well put it this way maybe let's like a name a reservoir let let, let's start somewhere and just start kind of rolling through your season on your home body of water name that and then let's just kind of talk about that
1: yeah so my home body of water is Boyson Reservoir which has the state record so that's where that monster came out of and I've got some really really big ones out of here too but yeah man they will move miles I mean it, it is insane to me that one day I can be on the spot and I can have tons of fish on my sonar. I can be catching them. Everything's great. I go back the next day and there's nothing. I mean, they are completely gone, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. That's because these Emerald shiners and these forage bases move. So they'll move with them. And so you could have them, you know, on this shoreline at the upper end, you know, towards the inlet. And then two days later, they could be six, seven, eight miles down the reservoir. It's just wild to me how much they can move. And I mean, they do that seasonally. Like, like I said, you know, early season, you know, right after post-spawn, you know, r- as soon as they're done laying their eggs, man, they're gone. They, I mean, they, they head out, they start looking for food because why? Well, they got to read man they just you know they just expended a ton of energy so they're out looking for those kokanee salmon those rainbow trout those emerald shiners and so you go out there and you might have been catching them two weeks ago when they were spawning or you know pre-spawn this one area and man they're five miles away you know two weeks later so walleyes move a ton especially in these western reservoirs because we don't have a lot of wheat growth it's mostly rocks and, you know, mud and sandy areas. So they're going to move with that forage and that forage is going to try to find places to hide. So if you can really focus on that, you'll be able to find walleyes.
0: Yeah. I think that, that, you know, for, for people in the Midwest, you know, thinking like, you know, you got, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota and Iowa. And when, you know, when, when we, contact those types of anglers or anglers from the that part of the midwest that come out say to Sakakawea or Lake Oahe or make their way out to Fort Peck or you know and they experience you know these these large reservoir fishing you know fishing opportunities that's kind of the fun part because it it is almost exotic for somebody that doesn't grow up on a reservoir you know to to uh fish areas instead of spots and make you know making a big move on you know say a, a 2000 acre lake in central minnesota or north northern minnesota a big move might be the next main lake point you know that's a half mile down but a big move on a reservoir out west is like 5 miles you know yeah. and it's a, it's almost kind of it, it, it's a really it, it's a it's almost like an exotic fishing opportunity even if the fish is the same kind of fish you catch back home but it's like it's a totally different ball game especially when you're talking about the opportunity to catch you know, fish that are on patterns that you've never seen before that are, uh, you know, 10 plus pounds, you know, when you just know you're fishing a body of water that has a population of fish that are, you know, 10 pounds is one thing, but like bigger than 12 pounds. So the state record is 17 pounds. I mean, that's just, uh, I just think that's phenomenal, man. But, and we're covering a lot of ground here. We kind of have to, because if we're going to do this inside of an hour, we got to touch on all these things. But I do want to get a little more narrowed down here and start kind of Focusing on, you know, you and your fishing opportunities, what would be a great example? Like, what's your favorite? What's When you think about open water walleye fishing for you this season, like, what are you looking forward to most? And let's kind of break down, you know, something like that that's in your specialty or your wheelhouse. Like, what would be a awesome fishing opportunity, a pattern on a body of water that you are just looking forward to?
1: I really enjoy taking kids out and getting kids hooked on fishing that's one of the things i focus on a lot on my on my podcast is you know how do you get your youth involved and i've got four kids so i really enjoy going out in that main lake area trolling those crankbaits and just having the kids catch their walleye i mean that is that is just the best for me you know just to watch but if i'm going to go target them myself myself is one of the things i love to do is to go with a jig and a plastic or like a rattle bait and fish near some of these scrub brush piles that get flooded, you know, just kind of pitch in there and work your lure back and those walleye come comes out of those brush piles and grab it. That is so much fun and you can limit out so quick on eater size walleye. You can catch some absolute giants that way. And so I'm really looking forward to that because I mean, just to give your listeners some context, like, the landscape here is basically a desert in this part of the state. I mean, it is rocky, dry, arid, and then you have this massive reservoir in the middle of all that, right? And so, again, there's not a lot of weed growth. There's not a lot of any of that. It's a lot of rocky, you know, kind of habitat and scrub brush. And so you're you're getting into those areas and you're working for those walleyes in, in that kind of environment. It's a lot of fun and it's kind of a unique thing because I mean you guys are used to a lot of trees out there in the Midwest, very green. this is very different from that um, and but it's so much fun and catching those walleye I think every walleye fisherman loves catching wallies on jig. I oh, think yeah. that's pretty safe to say. oh yeah you know you you pitch it up there, you're bouncing around a little bit, you wait and then you feel that you know that bite and you set that hook. that is really fun so, I'm definitely looking forward to that. One of the things that I've started doing a lot more is because on some of these gravelly and rocky points, is throwing one of those rattle baits, letting it sink to the bottom, ripping it off the bottom, letting it fall, and you know when the fish hit it on the fall, that is so much fun. So certainly looking forward to that pattern uh, in the June-July timeframe.
0: How do you break down? Let's break down a shallow a shallow walleye pattern for you in the spring. I mean, you know, if we were to look at what a, a successful day is for you. And maybe we could, you know, what do you think a successful day is in terms of, you know, your catch rate and uh, you know, you know, how many fish do you feel like is a successful day that might kind of help build some context as well. But like, um, you know, how do you break that down? How much electronics are you using? What, what are some of the keys to success when you're finding those fish shallow?
1: And electronics are key. I mean, you, it, it's really hard on vast bodies of water with not a lot of, you know, weed growth and different things like that to kind of hold the fish. You really have to kind of go move around and see where they're at. So, electronics are key. Um, Using electronics to find them typically. I also have, you know, just the institutional knowledge of <laughs> growing up here and, and, you know, fishing with other really great fishermen who've kind of shown me a lot of things and kind of helped me figure out the patterns. But you go out there and you look for them. You know, if you typically a really good day, you know, you're looking at 50 to 60 walleyes, you know, and, and our average size walleye right now I would say is probably about that 18, 19 inches. So uh the the year class is really strong, so that makes it a lot of fun. Um and of course, there's there's a fair amount of big fish. So I mean you you may catch a 25 inch here or a 28 incher over there or a 30 incher over here. Um but, yeah, a really good day for me. I, I, I enjoy catching fish, uh, but big fish that I, <laughs> that I get excited, right? I, again, I love chasing those master angler type things. And um, it's all, to me, it's, it's about trying to catch the big fish that I want to catch. I mean, I'm happy to catch some eaters, but it means a lot more to catch that big one. And so I'll spend a little bit more time trying to target those big fish.
0: Do you try to see fish? Like, are you using your your side imaging type of technology right right out the gate? I mean, are you driving around looking, inspecting these spots? Like, do you try to see fish before you fish them? Or are you kind of more so just evaluating the structure uh, where they should be, giving it a shot, you know, and moving through spots that way? I mean, talk to me a little bit about what you're doing in the boat.
1: A lot of times, if I know they're in a general area, Probably the best way to me. I mean, yeah, I use the fish finder for sure, but I also like to just kind of troll it. Maybe initially put out some planer boards, put on some cranks, troll in areas, see where I'm going to get bit where I get bit. Then I go back. I stop, put on the jig, you know, something like that. That's kind of my routine because I mean, the best way to find fish is to catch them. Um, <laughs> I actually learned that from an old guy that uh, lives here that I still go fishing with. He's, he's 82 years old. His name's Rick Klaproth. He's an amazing fisherman. And he's like, you know, you can always find fish on the sonar, but, you know, you want to find the fish that are actually going to hit your line, which makes a lot of sense, right? You want to find the ones that are actively feeding. So what he does, and it's what I've adopted is, you, you, you know, you put on your planer board, you put out your lines. And you go work that shoreline where you start getting bit, you know they're there and you know they're feeding. So those are the two keys, right? Are they there and are they feeding? Well, if they're there and they're feeding, now you can focus on that area. You can put on that, that jig or that rattle bait or spoon or whatever you're going to use and really focus on that spot. And that just to me makes the most logical sense and it's worked. So that's, that's kind of my routine.
0: And shallow, you know, talking about planer boards, too, and trolling, like, uh, you know, getting away from the boat, especially when you're, you know, driving over the top of fish in shallower water. What, what would you say have been, you know, you talk about the things that you've adopted for a long time. What are some of the things that you feel like you personally, you've adopted, things that you've sort of inherited or are developing now, say, in the last four or five years of your career that uh, you feel like where you're adding to your game?
1: I'll tell you what, man, the rattle baits have really been a game changer for me. Um, I caught a lot of big walleye and trout throwing rattle baits, and I think they get overlooked. And, you know, a, a lot of us like to go to that jig and a plastic or jig in a minnow because that's what we do, right? That's what walleye eat.
0: Right. They have. To, yeah. The only way to catch a walleye is finesse. Right. That's for so long <laughs> generations. Uh, yeah. You know, that's the, the tradition that was passed on to us. Yeah. Totally agree.
1: Well, well, and Al Linder and some of those other guys, you know, they talk about snap jigging, you know, so like snap jigging is incredibly fun with a rattle bait. It's incredibly fun with a spoon. It's incredibly fun with a jigging wrap, you know? And so like, I think that that's been a game changer for me is realizing that walleyes can be triggered and one of the best ways to do that is with something loud and obnoxious. And a rattle bait is one of the most fun ways. I, I've been just really hooked on this PK Ridge, or, uh Ridge Rattler crankbait. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you, you throw it out, let it hit bottom. And if you're moving along, you know, one and a half, two miles an hour, just ripping it off the bottom, letting it settle back down. Rip it off the bottom, let it settle back down. And it's just so much fun when your rod just gets ripped out of your hand, right? Because this walleye is like, I'm going to eat that stupid thing. It's making noise in my face. You know, <laughs> and they yeah. reaction strike to it, hit it, and you're just like, oh man, that was so cool. Um, to me, that, is, that has been a game changer in the last few years. It's just realizing I don't have to land a rig, I don't have to drag a jig really slow on the bottom and hop it just a little bit. Also, another one is when they are super negative, I've been going to a Ned rig. And I've been using like a salamander type body of one of those, I think Savage Gear makes it like three inches long. I've been using that. And man, you talk about a really effective way to catch trout and walleye that Ned rig early in the season when they're kind of negative. Oh my gosh, that thing, that thing actually works pretty darn well.
0: You know, thinking about conditions like, uh, are you typically dealing with dirty water out there? Do you guys have really clean water? Like talk to me about some of those conditions when you're picking say your colors and your, you know, your lure size and, you know, matching the hatch versus, you know, something uh, (laughs) colorful to draw them in. Like talk to me a little bit about those conditions that you're looking for day to day to milk, make those decisions.
1: Oh man. You, yeah, you, you touched on it, man. The, the water can be super murky and muddy because of the runoff, right? So fishing the mud line on these reservoirs is a key. I'm just going to tell you that early season, when that mud line is moving through the reservoir, you can fish right on the edge of that. Trolling is really key in that scenario. Have a crankbait maybe you know, on a planer board going in the muddy water and one in the clearer water that's dynamite. And I mean, that, that, that is a universal rule. If you're, if you're fishing for trout, kokanee, salmon, walleye, I don't care. There's going to be fish on that mudline. So early in the season, we get a lot of murky, muddy water that just, you know, silt washes in, you know, from the rivers. Sometimes you have big old trees. So if you do bring your boat to whamming, be careful. Don't hit a tree trying to fly across the water, take your time. Um, but yeah, I mean, the colors make a difference right so if it's murkier i'm going with you know the like fire tiger type colors the oranges you know the chartreuses if i'm fishing more of that clear water any of the metallic colors so your gold copper silver you know your blue metallic blue is really good those work excellent in some of that clear water and one of the things i love about fishing here especially at boysen reservoir is you get the variety pack, man. You may you may be going along catching walleye, and the next thing you know, you catch a 23, 24-inch rainbow trout. And I will tell you,
0: it will outfight
1: yeah. that walleye any day and twice on Sunday, right? Like yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Even a walleye angler would have crazy. to
0: smile at that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would be looking for that bite too. like traveling, you know, from North Dakota. Well, not to say we don't have some trout, you know, laying around in our state, too. But any time that we've ever traveled for JMO and we filmed certain places like there's something about, you know, those, you know, those incidental catches when your incidental catch is like a 25 inch rainbow. That's a pretty sweet incidental catch.
1: Oh, man. And they yeah, it'll fight you like crazy. They're really fun. Um, but yeah, the, the water clarity does make a difference and it will affect for sure kind of what you're tying on. Um, also, you know, does it rattle? If you're fishing that murky water, I can guarantee you you're going to do better with something that puts off a fair amount of vibration uh, just because of the location, you know, have, helping fish locate your lure. Um, so whatever you're using, if you're in, in the murky water, I, I would just suggest get something with a rattle in it or something that puts off a fair amount of vibration.
0: Dude, when you brought up the mud lines, um, I think that is an awesome conversation and kind of an awesome nuance that I think is maybe a little bit tricky for some, you know, the, the average angler from the Midwest where either you fish a body of water where mud lines aren't a thing you know maybe you a lot of you know but in these reservoirs the mud lines especially like you're talking you know where you're really in that dry arid type of country where it's not super vegetated right up to the shoreline there's not a lot holding that dirt in place so when whether it's wind blown or current driven with runoff like you know how to target or how to utilize that you know, to your advantage, and realize that that is, you know, that's a spot in itself. A mudline is a piece of structure. Anything else, you know, you you already gave us a sweet piece of information, uh, you know, on trolling a mudline, you know, with planar boards. But anything else along the lines of mudlines, what's the mudline philosophy for you? Like, like maybe we'll just spend five minutes on that.
1: Yeah, no, no worries. So I think about mudlines a couple of ways. So obviously, runoff mudlines. That's where the rich nutrients are coming into the lake um, or reservoir. So you have to think about that. Like the fish are going to go where the nutrients are because that's where the bait fish are going. So the the bait fish are coming, they're getting those nutrients, the walleyes are going to follow. But there's another type of mudline situation that happens a lot in Wyoming and the Dakotas because we have the W is what I call it. Wind, right? So you may have like two to three days of really intense wind where it's blowing Know, whatever direction it's hitting that shoreline it kind of churns up the bottom, turns it really muddy. Those can be killer spots, man. Where, where the, where the wave action is coming in, it's pounding the rocks, it's stirring up the crayfish, it's stirring up the nutrients that can be an absolute killer jig spot. Like you can pitch a jig or a rattle bait up in there and work it back that can produce like no other. And it, again, it follows that same principle. The nutrients are there, the bait fish are getting shoved up in there because they're they're not quite as strong, you know, and the walleyes, they're predators, man. They're wolves. They're going to go in there and they're going to feed. And so that is a key spot to look at on these reservoirs is if you get a windblown point or a windblown shoreline, I almost guarantee you you're going to find the trout and the walleye up in there feeding. So, you know, those, those are just some key things. In the summertime, about two o'clock every afternoon, we get a wind on boysen. You know, and that's when I start to look for those things. You know, once the wind starts blowing, it's been hitting points for a while. That's a good place to catch the fish.
0: Man, yeah, I think that's a great piece of conversation to have. I don't talk about fishing mudlines very often on here. Usually, we're focused on something else. You know, some other topic of conversation when we're talking about reservoirs. But I think, I think that mudline fishing is, it, well. You know, maybe I'm the only one, but I think that that was tricky for me to see and understand, um, you know, when I first moved to North Dakota and I started getting out in a boat on Sakakawea, for example, and, and seeing these mud lines form or even, you know, on rivers in the spring when there's a mud line because there's a surge, you know, on a warm day when there's a surge of runoff and you'll just see how the current, you know, those mud lines might show a current seam you know, and things like that, that have just really been eye opening to me, but, but figuring out how to fish them, you know, uh, and, and just maybe how, um, you know, this is just something that I've learned and you might be able to help me dial it in, but with mudlines where, especially when they form right away, if you can get there early, that's a conversation about mudline fishing that, um you know, was a great concept or a great learning point for me was when you can anticipate a mud line, you know, a fresh one, when, when they just show up, it's so key to to be there right at that time. Because a lot of times that mud line is, is maybe on the surface or it's, you know, in the top part of the water column, it's not mud all the way to the bottom of the lake. You know, even if you're in less than 10 feet of water, it's, you know, it's that umbrella. And, man, that just creates that that feeding environment underneath that. And getting your baits in there and getting your baits underneath the fresh mud line um, can just be super dynamite. But, like you said, and, you know, that I'm learning from you so much, is that, you know, we got to still be covering water. We still got to figure out ways to fish fast enough where we're covering enough water to contact the fish because the fish aren't moving under there. You might get bit once and your next bite not come for another 100 yards. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That That's just I think that that's super interesting conversation. Um, but that being said, man, as predicted before we started recording, we're co- we're all over the place here. I'm making you jump from one thing to the next. We're covering all kinds of crazy. We're not de- we're not deep diving nearly enough in any of these, and we're still running out of time. So what um what what do we need to talk about? You know we'll we'll do this again and we'll dive deeper into some of these topics and really get super nuancy and technical and some stuff down the road. But before we wrap this one up, we're talking about the great walleye big walleye fishing opportunities in Wyoming, fishing the reservoirs where you know covering water is super key reading water mud lines you know present manipulating a presentation so that you can cover water in a spot um, realizing that there's fish shallow as well as deep patterns I just I love all the all these talkers and topics creating a good expectation for somebody that if they weren't already you ought to be thinking about going to catch a big walleye in Wyoming that just sounds like a bunch of fun right there Um, but what, what else do we got to be talking about when we're thinking Wyoming walleye fishing, you know, in the open water, what, what haven't we covered that we just got to cover?
1: I think, I think the biggest thing is, you know, come out, give it a shot. Um, it, it may sound, you know, here I am describing how different it is, but really if you understand walleye, you'll be fine. Like if you're coming out from Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, whatever, Walleye are still walleye. If you know the basic principles of walleye, you're going to be able to find them. You're going to be able to catch them. But I will tell you, it is a different experience catching them out here in the West um, than it is out there. And, you know, I would just encourage your listeners, come out and visit, come out and give it a shot. I mean, there's, there's so many opportunities and there's a lot of big fish, right? And so no no matter if you're fishing like Fort Peck up in Montana or down here at Boyson in Wyoming, there's great opportunities and I will give you some reservoirs. I did a podcast on this a while back talking about the top Wyoming reservoirs for walleye. But you know, if if you're in the northeast part of Wyoming, Keyhole Reservoir, it's right close to Devil's Tower, you can go visit that. Boyson Reservoirs, right smack dab in the middle of the state, has the state record. So some big fish there. Um, you can go to Glendo Reservoir if you want to catch lots of numbers, lots of eater-sized walleye. Glendo's as good as you can get, and it has some big ones. And then Seminole Reservoir, which is in the southwest part of the state, Al Linder used to talk about it because it has some absolute giant walleye in it. I'm surprised the state record hasn't come out of there yet. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, it is an experience unlike any other. So just give Wyoming a shot, man. It, it is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think a guy's got to go out there. And you think about Wyoming and, you know, that's a long drive. You got to drive past a lot of walleyes to catch walleyes (laughs) anywhere you go. That's something that we've said. We say it in our videos all the time when we're filming for JMO. Jason says it all the time. Like, why, why go to a Canadian province to catch big walleyes when you drive past them? We, We got to do that anywhere we go. And, but to have a fresh and new experience, like, like if you're from the Midwest going out to a Western reservoir, that's just big country. And, uh, you got so much to fish. Like that's just, that's just a dream trip. It's just a dream trip. Well,
1: And to that point, we just had Randy Newberg on our podcast and my podcast partner challenged him and I against each other in a walleye cook-off. So he's going to come down here from Bozeman, Montana and do some walleye fishing with me. But He said the same thing. He's like, We've got walleye fishing all around me. And then my wife, his, his wife, he said, you know, there's a big walleye fisherman. She makes him go to Fort Peck, which is six hours from his house. He's like, why aren't we driving past walleyes to catch walleyes? Well, we all do it, right? Because you want to have that new experience. You want to try something different. So there's nothing wrong with that. And Wyoming's got lots of cool stuff. You can go to Yellowstone. You can go to Devil's Tower. There's just tons of different places to see the Grand Tetons. So you can make a heck of a good trip out of it.
0: Oh, yeah. And you talk about the good fall fishing, uh, you know, it's like, you know, go out there in the fall with an antelope tag or a deer tag or whatever. Oh, yeah. and, you know, you're out there for 10 days and you hunt for a couple of days and then just catch a bunch of big walleyes and then go home. I mean, that just sounds like that just <laughs> sounds like a life worth living. If you ask me, that
1: sounds like a cast and blast from heaven, man. That's, yeah. That, that's perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, I mean, we're just, we're covering so much ground. We kind of had to, they, they, you know, and, and we're covering, we're just sort of skimming on the top of all these great topics that make walleye fishing opportunities in Wyoming great. And, um, you know, we got to have it on our radar and we'll definitely have, you know, have you back on. We're going to keep talking about this. We're going to, we're going to keep digging into some really fun, nuance bites that happened there. Um, you know, but if, if we went into it all this first time around, we'd be here for four hours. And, uh, oh, yeah. and I still probably wouldn't hear enough of it. So, <laughs> um, but man, I appreciate your time and, um, you know, to maybe close this out, if there's nothing else, you know, um, you know, promote yourself, your, your socials, uh, you know, where people can find you and, and hopefully people have some questions that, you know, as, uh, as they listen to this show and, you know, think about an opportunity out there. It'd be really cool. Uh, you know, reach out to you, whatever, anywhere anybody can uh, reach out to you to ask a question, um, let them know
1: yeah taylor thank you again so much for having me on the podcast Um, again i'm a fellow podcaster so i know it's hard getting schedules coordinated getting everything figured out but thank you so much for having me if you guys want to know more um, you can go to my uh, website which is rad r-a-d-c-a-s-t so radcastoutdoors.com we have a lot of stuff on hunting and fishing so if you're interested in that if you want to contact me personally you can uh, get a hold of me on Instagram is probably the easiest way. I'm at Angling Wyoming. It's pretty easy to remember. So at Angling Wyoming, you can ask me questions. I'll give you as many tips as I can. I'm not going to give you specific spots, but I'm sure I'm sure glad to help point you in the right direction um, and just talk about fishing, man. That's what I love and and that's what I do. Again, I'm a multi-species nut, so you know I might be chasing walleyes one day, trout another. Muskie and pike and others so i mean it you know ask me any kind of questions you want uh, be happy to collaborate with you but again taylor thank you so much for having me man this has been awesome
0: yeah man and does wyoming does the state of wyoming have like the the their game and fish department whatever whatever that is mm-hmm. do they have like fishing information stocking reports things like that uh is that a resource that's pretty popular down there
1: yeah absolutely you can go to the wyoming game and fish website just google it um they have stocking reports they have you know they have a couple of web pages on places to fish they have master angler program so for instance if you catch you know a walleye over 24 inches which isn't that bad isn't that bad to do um you can get a master angler for that they have different you know master anglers for all kinds of different species they have the cut slam there's all kinds of cool stuff on the Wyoming Damian Fish website so yeah just google that and check it out
0: all right man I'll let you back to it I appreciate the time Pat yes yeah. all right This episode of the JMO podcast is brought to you by Montana's Fish Wildlife and Parks Department. As anglers we have the ability to help protect the wonderful fishing opportunities in the state of Montana. For more information on regulations or AIS prevention in the state of Montana, head to the link that is in the description of this podcast that is fwp.mt.gov backslash AIS.